It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless in Parts Unknown. What's up, Painter? Feeling good about this one. Uh, I liked my role in the last episode, and I think there's going to be more of that for me here where I just get to sit no, back no, no, no. and no, let no. the boys cook. And that's what I'm banking on no. here. It's been a pool day for me, so I'm feeling, okay. I'm feeling perfect. All right, so you are going to have to talk in this one. Uh, last episode, in case you missed it, uh, Painter and I, or mostly me, uh, talked to uh, Richard Johnson, our buddy from Sports Illustrated, Split Zone Duo, the SEC Network. Uh, that's a premium pod uh, from last week. You can check it out uh, if you're a subscriber, if you haven't already. And if you're not a subscriber, it's be a really good time to do that. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But we have a special guest. He is coming to us from also Auburn. So Painter is the odd man out in this in this episode for sure. Uh, it is our buddy, first-time Observer guest, friend of the newsletter, and uh, more importantly, the president of the Landon King fan club. Uh, it is 24-7, Auburn Undercover, whatever you'd like to call it, its very own Christian Clemente, the recruiting expert, the young king of the scoops. What's up, Christian? Honestly, I'm just so excited to be here. You know, I've been waiting on my invite for a long time. Um, you can't ask for the invite because then it looks desperate. And then if you do right. get it, it's just a pity invite. It's like, well, you know, I guess I got invited, but I waited, I stayed patient, and now I'm here. You got you waited for your opportunity, and now and now, now it's now it's come. So as we say a lot here on the podcast, and as I write in the newsletter, um, we're not recruiting experts. Uh, Painter and I are not. Uh, I don't cover recruiting in depth. I never really have. Um, I kind of like to keep, you know, obviously keep track of it um, for, you know, because it's very, very important. Uh, But the ins and outs in recruiting, the finer details, I tell you folks all the time, go to the experts, go to the people who do this, because Auburn's got a really good roster of folks across several sites that do a great job in-depth recruiting coverage. And Christian is one of them. Uh, And uh, probably... uh, Probably the most fun uh, recruiting guy we have on the beat, just because uh, you know he. he I, I've always liked Christian's perspective on on recruits, and uh, for a dude who's incredibly incredibly young for uh, for for the job he's in, I think he does a super job. But you do it at two four seven Auburn undercover, and um, this is a perfect time to have you on. Not because not just because we're about to get into fall camp mode, and that's going to kind of take the priority. But this is Big Cat Weekend. Uh, this past weekend for Auburn. And um, just generally speaking, from the outset, Christian, Big Cat Weekend, it's back. Successful, unsuccessful, somewhere in between. Like, what what was the general kind of consensus when Auburn came out of Big Cat Weekend? How are they feeling? How are they feeling about bringing this marquee event back? Look, if you ask some of the fans, they might say, oh, there's only two commitments on Big Cat Day, Big Cat Weekend, whatever you want to call it. On the actual day, there's only two commitments. Fans might say, eh, I don't really know. There were some board posts today that weren't overly happy about it. I came out of it really optimistic, and so did Auburn staff. Um, you're going to see repercussions of Big Cat over the next probably week or so. Um, you're mm-hmm. going to see some more commitments kind of continue to roll in. So Adrian Posse and Amon Lane are not the only ones. And, I mean, th- those guys are really, really strong commitments. They're both four stars that kind of lay the foundation for the class of 2024. I honestly can't remember the last time Auburn had early commits in the next class. Um, you know, they've maybe had one here and there, but like right. they've always been playing from behind a little bit. And now you have a really strong foundation already. So I think that's really good. And you're going to see some more of these 2023 guys. You already saw Ashley Williams decommit from Nebraska, and we expect some, uh, we expect some news to be coming there soon as well. Uh, Connor Liu will be announcing pretty soon. You've got J.C. Hart announcing pretty soon. You're seeing the momentum from Big Cat carry over to the next week or two. So I think it'll, I mean, I thought it was a really big positive. Christian, what's your take on this class right now? It's a very small number. Every one of those dudes is a consensus, uh, you know, four-star. I feel like you can kind of have any sort of opinion about Brian Harson's recruiting and the staff's recruiting that you want. You can find ammunition. But as a guy who's in it and a guy who covers this day in and day out, what should be the most level-headed and like, okay, this is the expert view of what's going on with Auburn recruiting because right now, my easy, lukewarm take is it's quality over quantity, and they're going to have to get the quantity at some point, but at least the quality's there right now. To me, I think this is Brian Harson as a person to a T. He's sticking to his board. He's staying with the guys that he wants, even if they commit somewhere else. He's saying, we're going to win games this fall, and we're going to circle back to get them. Um, and if they're not able to get them now, they'll come back for them. 
you're seeing some of the boards shift around a little bit. You know, things are changing a little bit here and there. You kind of have to do that. But, you know, Brian Harson, I don't want to say he's overly stubborn necessarily, but he's kind of stubborn. He likes to stick with his guns a little bit. You know, you saw it this year when he brought in Kisa and Schmetting as his coordinators. And I saw think- it when he when he hung out in Mexico during the during the investigation. I mean, not to be not to be like flipping about it, but like that's that's him, man. Like he 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 does things his way. Uh, at least that one. He won that one. I mean, you know, we can. He won that one. We can, uh, as it was tossed around recently, we can circle back. But uh, yeah, a point point he for Harson. He on got that, to spike sir. the football a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, go ahead, Christian. Yeah, no, I mean, I just think the thing too. You talked about needing to add quantity at some point. After talking to some sources, I don't know if they're going to. Um, they're looking to bring in like maybe thirty guys in this class, and the number I was recently told was it would be fifteen high schoolers and fifteen transfers. Now that's wow. a very that's a very fluid number. That Things rules. can change around a lot. It'll depend on you know who goes to the draft, who comes back, who decides to transfer. Even just a couple of weeks ago, I was told it'd be like twenty high schoolers and ten transfers. So that's kind of changing around a lot. Either way, you're bringing in a lot of really talented guys so far. You've got a great foundation of the class um, built up right now. And and I think it's it's kind of like how Clemson kind of built their recruiting classes for years where it's like, we're not going to sign a ton of high school guys, but the guys that we have, they're going to be our kind of dudes. And we feel like not only are they going to be here, you know, we're going to bring them in, but they're going to be here long term. You know, and, I, and it's different now because of the, of the portal. But that's really interesting because, I mean, you know this as well as anybody, Christian. That class Auburn signed in the transition between Malzahn and uh, Harson, not not great, not great in terms of numbers, not great in terms of depth. So, like, if you want to go transfer portal heavier these next couple cycles, that makes sense. Because I think, yeah, there is a danger in just getting dudes just to get dudes when you can go get guys in the transfer portal a lot more frequently. I mean, is is this a is this a strategy you think that? could work or like you know kind of what it's really interesting because i think there's gonna be a time in the next couple years when some of these guys go to the nfl where auburn because they didn't recruit quite as well in the last few years is gonna have a dip in talent so you gotta restock it somehow and you don't want to necessarily bank all on high schoolers especially when you're trying to convince people that hey you need to keep me around for a while because i'm doing i'm doing things the right way and you want me to be your head coach yeah exactly um i mean this is kind of taking the easy way out but if all goes to plan i think it'll work um right. which, which so far i think it is um you know of those 15 spots or let's just say 20 let's say 20 because i think that's a little more realistic that they get closer to 20 high school guys if they bring in guys at the positions that they need i think they get connor Lou's commitment on friday as well so they're kind of restocking that room they know they need to bring in some high school guys there they also know they need to bring in some transfers as well because they're going to be losing six offensive linemen after the season at least so they know they need to bring in guys to develop and guys that can start right away next year. And then you talk about the edge room as well. Um, they already brought in Wilkie Denod. Um, they'll have Ashley Williams committed here pretty soon. Um, and then they're going to slow down a little bit. You know, those are both four-star guys, but they've got some other guys really high on the board as well, a guy like Akwe Rusa, who's a five-star um, and won't be announcing until December. So they kind of built the foundation of the edge room with Denod and Ashley Williams. Um, and then they're going to wait for some other more talented guys to potentially bring in and then look at transfers as well. So as long as they're smart about who they bring in from the high school ranks, kind of filling up rooms that need those developmental guys, and then going for transfers to play over them a little bit or fill kind of plug holes elsewhere on the roster, I think you feel pretty good about it. All right, let's talk a little bit more about the Langston Hughes kids because Auburn's already got one other committed in Terrence Love and uh, kind of a guy who's, who's, you know, I don't want to say he gets forgotten, but it's the fact that he's been committed for quite some time now is one thing. Uh, what about the other crew, uh, other guys they have there and kind of the chances? And then we'll talk about the quarterback they picked up over the weekend for the 2024 class. But, you know, they there's, you know, Aaron Olin, right, is is, uh, is a Langston Hughes kid in 2024. Is this a situation where Auburn's going to continue to try to get another quarterback in this class, like two in 2024, and maybe they don't take one in 2023? I just asked you like seven questions there, but we can start with the Langston Hughes kids. <laughs> Okay, starting with the Langston Hughes kids, um, I mean, yeah, Terrence Love gets forgotten about a little bit, but I think he's a really good player. This is a guy who can almost be a money backer. He can play a little bit of safety, come to the box. I think he kind of reminds me of maybe a little bit of a bigger smoke Monday. I mean, he's absolutely massive. I don't know if he sticks at safety. He's kind of a linebacker build. 
63195 listed right now on, on 247. I'm sure that I'm sure that weight will go up over time. Yeah, I think he's said he's closer to like 200 now, but um, then the other kind of guys for 2023 are Jelani Thurman, a tight end commit who is committed to Ohio State. He is very similar to Landon King. Um, I would view him as a little bit more of a blocker uh, or a little bit more developed in that sense. Um, but he is very much a hybrid guy. Um, he flexes out a lot. He's very fast. Um, he's got great speed for a tight end. This is a guy who Auburn's been in with for a long time and will be in with until December when he signs. Um, you know, it, it was kind of Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan State. Ohio State, from what I've been able to gather, was able to collect a pretty solid NIL deal for Jelani Thurman. But um, his his mom, a former uh, Georgia women's basketball player, um, calls a lot of shots in that recruitment. And from what I've been able to gather, she's not overly thrilled about his Ohio State commitment. Her family is kind of from the Michigan area, so she kind of prefers Michigan State or Auburn since she does live in the Atlanta area. So I think Auburn's going to be in this one for the long haul. And, you know, I talked about it a little bit in a story the other day. While it is a lot easier for Thurman to come down for Big Cat, Ohio State and Michigan State wanted to come up there this weekend, and he still ended up at Auburn. So you're going to see him at Auburn several times this fall. The opportunity is going to be there for Brad Bedell and those guys to potentially flip him. But it's going to be a battle. It's going to be one that goes all the way until December. Um, then the other guy in 2023 is Joshua Horton. Now, he's the lowest rated of the bunch. I think he's still a three-star. I'm mm-hmm. telling you right now, this kid is a stud. He moves around extremely well for his size. He is absolutely massive, but he moves around so well. He's, I mean, he's almost like Colby Wooden in how he's able to move around so well. He's just a lot bigger than him. So... Auburn's been in with him for a while. It, it looked like he would be the first one of the Langston Hughes guys to commit back in the spring. He didn't end up pulling the trigger, and that ended up being love. Um, and now Auburn is facing some more competition from North Carolina, Florida, Tennessee had him in this weekend. But you know Auburn's in this one, um, and I, I don't necessarily want to call Auburn the favorite, but I think they're right up there at the top. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the thing with Thurman, NIL. I, I would imagine – the recently, and we talked about a little bit re- recently, Painter, with the rebranded uh, onto victory. Like the timing of all of this seems very, it seems very uh, needed. You know, like you, uh, it was something Auburn's had to have for a while. But like in the face of like, yeah, it'd be really nice if we could catch up in recruiting with <laughs> with with some with some of this cash. Makes a lot of sense. Um, I uh, okay, so to the 2024 kids. And, we'll, and we can talk about some of the 2023s that, that were here over the weekend. But to the 2024 kids, specifically the commitment Auburn got on Saturday from Adrian Posse from Miami. Um, big dude. Really good dude. Uh, four-star uh, quarterback. Uh, top 200 player in his class. Top 15 quarterback. Um, committing to Auburn over the weekend at, at Big Cat. Uh, and yet, I would imagine Auburn's not going to give up uh, and just move on away from Aaron Nolan. I hope not because he's got a great name. But number two, it does sound like from what you've reported and others, uh, other recruiting writers I saw over the weekend say, like they're they're still going to you know go after the the Langston Hughes quarterback. He's really talented and you know a class behind all these other guys. Yeah, no, he is really good. Um, I'm personally a little bit checked out in terms of 2023 quarterbacks. I don't think Auburn is going to end up taking one there this cycle. Um, things can obviously change there, but. You don't have a guy who who's necessarily going to leave off of this roster, you know. You know, you got you could have a transfer for sure, but like you have four dudes that all have multiple years of eligibility remaining, so it's not ultra pressing if you can double up later, right? Yeah, no, I think you feel pretty good there, um, and I think Auburn's going to slow things down just a little bit with Air Noland. Um, he was probably ready to commit this weekend, but Posse was a little bit higher on the board, so they end up taking his commitment instead, but they're not going to stop recruiting him for a couple of reasons. A, he's obviously very talented. B, you never know what's going to happen with Posse or potentially needing to bring in a second quarterback as well. And C, I mean, he's a big catalyst to that Langston Hughes team, to be honest. Um, he's only a junior, but he's he, he's the leader of those guys. When we saw him practice, he's wow. the leader of that group. Um, he talks them through things. I mean, you obviously usually see that out of a quarterback, but it, it was very clear that he is the leader um, even as a junior of that team. And his dad, uh, Aaron Nolan's dad, coached all those guys growing up in that area. So mm. he's an influential kind of factor. You can't just toss him to the side and say, eh, whatever. They're going to keep recruiting him. 
they're going to stay involved with him. Even if he ends up committing somewhere else, they're going to be in with him for the long haul. They're not just going to throw him away. Yeah. Uh, Amon Lane, uh, talk to me a little bit more about him. Uh, this, he was the first commitment of the two uh, on Big Cat Weekend. Uh, for Moody, uh, has got quite a few ties to Auburn, um, you know, through some guys that are on the at Moody staff and uh, an in-state kid that, uh, you know, I, I saw some Auburn folks like people on staff tweeting about uh, in the recruiting staff and all that talking about him as, you know, kind of being a catalyst for the rest of this class. Really good corner, um, you know, uh, high four-star, uh, uh, you know, early on in this 2024 class. Yeah, Amon Lane is really a great story, to be honest. Um, he's playing at Moody now under Jake Gaines, um, and he played with uh, played under Gaines at Thompson High School. Now Gaines um, brought him in and adopted him a little over three years ago now, and once he got the job at Moody, um, Amon Lane went with him. And, you know, I talked to uh, Coach a little bit before Amon's commitment, he said that Amon is a lot like him out there. He's taken a lot of things from him. Um, he practices extremely hard. Really good kid. Uh, Jake sees him as kind of more of a nickel, probably at the next level, but could play corner as well, especially if he continues to grow. He's already around 5'11", 6 foot, so could play corner. Uh, really, really physical, always playing fast. And, I mean, he's already a, th- he's already a three-time state champion going into his junior mm-hmm. season. So um, I-, I think he's a great commitment, especially an in-state kid, to kind of lead off that class and build the foundation there. So I, I would feel pretty happy if I were Auburn fans. Like He's close He's close to like a top 200 guy. Um, he's right up there already. So yeah. I think that's a fantastic yeah. pickup to lead the class. Um, I didn't want to miss this opportunity with having you on because, I, you know, I wrote about Carmelo English earlier, Jeremiah Cobb as well. We've taught Terrence Love and Braden Joyner. Not as much about Wilkie Denon, except for Painter and I love his name. Um, <laughs> that's about the extent of our conversation from, from the last podcast. Uh, tell me about him because, um, you know, very intriguing guy that is kind of, to me, seems a little bit like tweenery type of, is he an edge? Is he a defensive lineman? Where does Auburn kind of view him? Yeah, so he's being brought in as an edge. Um, I think his future is along the defensive line more so, less of an edge guy. Um, maybe you would compare him to a Colby Wooden because he can kind of move around a little bit. I still think he needs to develop a little bit, um, but he's already a four-star guy, and you know, his coach was telling me he plays basketball, he's in track, um, so he does a lot of different stuff. He hasn't really been able to focus on football. So, I mean, I think he's a pretty he, – he's a nice commitment for the, that edge room, that, if that's where you're choosing to bring him in at, which is what Auburn is doing. And he's kind of – I mean, they're going to bring in like four to five edge guys. Not that Wilkie is a bad player. Not that he won't play even maybe immediately as a freshman. But he's like – I mean, he's the first commitment, but he'll probably be the last in terms of how they rank up once you bring in the different edge guys. I think he's edge like number four out of that group. So if he's your edge four, you feel pretty darn good about the class that you're going to be able to bring in. Now, Auburn still has to bring those guys in, but I think Auburn should be able to do that. All right, so let's talk about those edge guys then. If, if Wilkie Denot could potentially be edge four on their board of the guys they think they have a good shot at getting committed uh, in this 2023 class, what about some of the other ones uh, and kind of, uh, kind of where Auburn stands right now? And I, I would imagine – that's got to be led by the by the edge rusher uh, that they are could be on the verge of flipping here uh, in, in the uh, in the near future. And that'd be Ashley Williams uh, out of Louisiana, formerly committed to Nebraska. Now, some fans even on the board were like, eh, his offer list doesn't look that great. He was committed to Nebraska. Like, what what's up with that? Is he really that good? I think he is. He was unranked as early as this spring, and he's shot. Oh wow! Yeah, he's shot up a bunch. Um, I think he's number 350 in the composite now on 24-7. So he, he's a really talented guy. He's a character fit for what Auburn is looking for. Um, he's kind of, he is versatile. He could play inside. I think his best spot is edge, though. He's kind of a true edge guy. Um, he's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if, like, LSU and some other teams get in the mix later on this fall. He's but a Louisiana point, kid, right? Yeah, but by that yeah. point, he should already be committed to Auburn. Uh, and Auburn's been in on him since early in the spring. They identified him pretty early on. So Ashley Williams is kind of the main name to look out for as of right now. Once they get him committed and he joins Wilkie, expect the edge board to slow down and kind of wait a little bit because they're going to wait for the likes of Equay Rusa, who's a five-star. They're going to wait for Ruben Bain, who's a really high four-star. They're going to wait and see if they can pull off a flip with Keldrick Falk. So they're going to get these... 
I don't want to say bottom tier guys because that's not what they are. They're still really talented, right. but <laughs> they're all they're all still blue chip players. Yeah, exactly. But guys that are just a little further down the board in terms of in terms of talent and ranking, I'll say that. So once they get Ashley Williams committed, they'll slow down a little bit and look for some of those bigger guys, higher ranked guys, um, and then they'll look for probably a transfer at the edge spot as well. Yeah, and and. Reloading there will be huge because you would imagine Derek Hall and Ekuliota won't be around after this upcoming season. Um, and, and this in this edge class, uh, this defensive line class, especially locally, regionally, uh, is so good and so deep. Um, what do you think, uh, going off that, you mentioned Russell. They did get Jeremiah Cobb. They do have Carmelo English in the boat. Those are two really good uh, skill position players from the state of Alabama. But we've heard, we've heard this for years now, uh, that this 2023 class was so good uh, for the state of Alabama. What do you think about Auburn's chances? It, it looks like they're not going to rack up. It's not like they're going to just go in and just get whoever they want in this group. But what do you think about Auburn's efforts recruiting kind of locally? Obviously, Braden Joyner, another one uh, from right here in Auburn uh, in that class. How do you think Auburn's kind of attacked this this recruiting class here in state uh, because a lot of these guys that we've heard about recently are dudes that are not in-state guys and that's not a bad thing Auburn prides itself I mean they've built their recruiting classes in the past out of guys from Georgia and, and other places uh, but what do you think about their efforts right now and do you think uh, you think they can make a little bit more noise in this historically great Alabama class yeah so I think right now they already have they've done a decent job in Alabama they could certainly be doing better and I think they'd admit that as well um They've whiffed on some guys that they like, but if you do bring in, if you flip Keldrick Falk from Florida State, which I do think is a distinct possibility with mm. how things are going at Florida State, and you know if Auburn does have a good season, now granted Auburn could tank as well, and then that would just be completely out of the picture. But it's a really tough season, really tough schedule. Yeah, but point being, if you can pull off Keldrick Falk and then Quay Rusa and James Smith, both five stars are a package deal, which. Auburn feels very good about its chances there. If a season, if the season goes well, and if a good NIL package can be produced that is at least competitive, Auburn feels like it stands a pretty good chance there. So if you bring in two five stars um, and a bunch of other four stars in Cobb, English, Joiner, potentially Falk, I think you feel fantastic about the class. Even if you don't bring in the five stars and you just get a guy like a Keldrick Falk, I think you still still feel at least pretty good about what they did in the state of Alabama this year. So, okay, so we get asked about recruiting and, like, where Auburn is right now. Look, they're, the numbers are what they are. I, I mentioned earlier quality over quantity right now at this point. Um, it seems to me, and from what we heard from Brian Harson, including to a question that you asked him at in Atlanta um, about recruiting, it's like, hey, wait and see. We're going to win. We're going to turn some people's he you know, heads. We're going to change guys' minds and we're all, all that. Where you're sitting at right now, and if you could think, like, this is a realistic ending for Auburn's recruiting class, if they have a good season, is the case for optimism for Auburn to be like, there are still enough guys out there that if they have this good season and everything goes according to plan, this can be a class that Auburn fans not only – expect but one a uh, one they they could get excited about is it is, is the wait and see thing which is always tough to tell college football fans to do especially when alabama and georgia are your top two rivals <laughs> and texas a&m's doing what they're doing is, is that is like is that a uh is that not just blowing smoke i mean like kind of give us give us the straight the straight view of it no i mean i think that's honestly a distinct possibility i think if you do win eight or nine games you could get a top 15 top 10 class depending on how many high schoolers they actually get. That'll obviously impact the rankings there. But a lot of these guys, they really love Auburn. They just don't know how stable it is. They talk about how much they like Harson. They talk about how much they like their different coaches that are recruiting them. But they just don't feel super comfortable committing there yet because they want to see it on the field this fall. Yeah. And they want to see that the coaches will actually be there. And all these other schools are using that against Auburn too. So... You almost have an advantage in a sense. The only advantage that you have is that all these other schools are negatively recruiting you so hard. If you do win games this fall, you can circle right back to those kids and say, hey, they told you we wouldn't be here. We just won eight, nine games, whatever it may be. May be. We're here for the long haul. 
and we need you to go win a championship. And mm-hmm. they can kind of prove that to these kids. So if you do win games this fall, I honestly truly do believe the potential for a roadmap for a nice class could be there. We'll see if it happens. Obviously, it all depends on what this year's team does on the field, but the potential is there. This staff this year for Auburn, some guys from the past, from from last year's staff, but there's quite a few new assistants, people involved there. We know Zach Etheridge at Cadillac Williams are excellent recruiters. Of the guys that are new, of the guys that are that are brand new to this staff. Which one of those, you know, one or two of those, or if not all of them, but like, what do you think about those guys as recruiters? Because I think that was kind of the big not coming in, even for a guy like, you know, even, I guess even for a guy like Al Killier, not that people didn't think he couldn't recruit, but it was just like, well, he hadn't done it yet. Like, you know, he's been in the NFL. What do you think about the new guys as recruiters and kind of the job they've done so far and how, what they could do? Because obviously Etheridge was such a good year one move for Harson and uh, keeping him around was a big win. Yeah, so if I had to pick kind of two guys that are kind of top of the board there, it'd be the linebacker guys. I think Christian Robinson and Rock Bellantoni are mm. absolutely dynamic as recruiters. They both have Florida ties, which is something that Auburn has kind of lacked a little bit recently, and I think that's been important. You already saw it with Wilkie Denod. Um, so I think those guys have been really good. I think Jimmy Brumbaugh has, unfortunately for Auburn fans, struggled a little bit on the recruiting trail. I think they shot a little too high on the defensive tackle board, in my personal opinion. And they should have been looking at some lower-rated guys a little bit more, guys they maybe had a little bit of a better chance with. But mm-hmm. there's still potential to turn that around, and they've already moved that board around a little bit. And then Ike Hilliard as well. I think he's been fantastic as well, um, along with those linebacker guys. I mean, Auburn was out of Carmelo English's recruitment yeah. completely. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he shows up one day in the spring, and we're like, uh, okay, you know, that's, that's interesting. Let's see what he has to say. And afterwards, he had really positive things to say, and then we obviously see how that shakes out. Ike honestly doesn't have a whole lot more work to do this class. I think Auburn only brings in two, maybe three high school uh, wide receivers. There's not a whole lot left on the board for him, but if Carmelo English is your main guy, you feel pretty good about him. Who else at wide receiver are they targeting? Like that, that you think has a realistic chance of, of coming to Auburn along with Carmelo English, who is, I think, you know, as a guy who's watched him in person a few times, like he's he's the type of dude that you want to have <laughs> in your room for a few years. Yeah, so they're looking at a couple of West Coast guys. Uh, Mal- Malachi yeah. Riley out of California. He's a four-star or maybe a high three-star. Um, and he's got an official visit scheduled for the Penn State game. Uh, Jacoby Lane, who is out of Arizona, He's a 6'5 wide receiver, so absolutely massive. Um, those were guys that both got offered in June. Uh, yeah, June, not July. Um, and Jacoby is planning to come visit this fall as well. I'd probably look at that Penn State game as well. And then the last one that's kind of on the board right now that we know is Kai Preen, who's definitely more of a slot guy um, out of the Louisiana area. I think he has fallen down the board a little bit for Auburn, though, because I don't think they want to take a slot guy in this class. You already have Javarius Johnson, Tavares Dawson, Jay Fair. You already kind of have your slot guys, so I don't think they really want to bring in another. But if they choose to do so, he'd be that guy. So they're looking to bring in kind of another big body receiver um, to go along with Carmelo English. I know Carmelo is only listed at like maybe six foot, but they mm-hmm. see him as an outside guy. So Yeah, that does make sense. I mean, you, you've seen Auburn have some guys a little on the smaller end play outside. I think in this system you can definitely – move them as as a flanker i guess while we're on the subject the one guy we haven't really talked about a ton well two but let's talk about uh him while we have you here um i watching jeremiah cobb uh highlight tapes is was one of the funniest things i've done all summer um dude's ridiculous what what do you what do you think about him as kind of a guy auburn's bringing in uh it seems that like Every year, Cadillac Williams is gonna just crack his knuckles and say, "All right, let me go take let me go take a really good running back," and he's done it again and again and again. And it looks like Cobb's their guy for that. Yeah, no, I think Jeremiah Cobb is a fantastic commitment. I almost feel like he didn't get enough attention when he did commit, just yeah. because he had visited so much, and everyone was like, you know, throughout the sp- even dating back to the Iron Bowl last year, which was one of his first visits, he had been so many times. Everyone was just like, "Ah, oh, Jeremiah Cobb." I'd write a story felt like I wrote 15 Jeremiah Cobb visiting stories because he'd visit so much and you know the fans were just like ah just hurry up and commit already so then when he did there wasn't a lot of excitement 
This is a guy who has had back-to-back 2,000-plus yard seasons. He's got great speed. He's developing really well as a receiver. My personal comparison for him was like an Alvin Kamara because um, I think he will continue to develop as a receiver and get better there. So He looked good as a receiver on film. Yeah. Like for, for limited usage. Like they, they, Catholic got really creative with him, I thought. Yeah. No, I think he is so good. And I, I mean – He'll have a chance to compete for playing time right away as a freshman because Tank Bigsby yeah. will most likely be gone, and it'll be Jarquez Hunter and Damari Alston still kind of holding down that room. Um, and so I think Jeremiah Cobb has a chance to come in and compete. Personally, I think he is a little bit better than Damari Alston. I don't know if that means he'll oh, wow. play above him next year. Um, that's impossible to tell, but I think really highly of Jeremiah Cobb. Uh, we'll have a we we'll have a little bit more football I want to get to before we or before we take a quick break. But Painter, do you have any any recruiting specific questions left for Christian while we have him here? Can you give us a glimpse at what the strategy looks like, given that Auburn's planning to recruit a third or half of its class out of the portal? They're going after the guys that they really want. They're going after the five stars. A couple of them. They're going after the really high four stars. And even if they commit somewhere else, they're going to they're gonna wait for them. They're going to keep recruiting them really hard. They're not going to panic and just jump on a low three-star guy that they just have lowered on their board. Yeah, exactly. Right. They're not going to fill up their class with random players and numbers in July. I can count on two hands the number of kids that in June were ready to commit to Auburn, but they didn't have committable offers yet. Auburn's waiting. You know, They could have this class. They could have like a top 20 class right now with a bunch of just numbers and low four stars and low three stars committed already. They're not willing to do that. They're waiting. So we'll see if it pays off, but they're kind of going with their strategy. So I can, I can respect them for doing that. Do y'all, yeah, I mean, I- do y'all get any insight? Because I imagine the tampering and whatever rules around transfers might be, they might be tighter lipped about that stuff. I don't know. Is there any, glimpse from people that you talk to into what it looks like that Auburn's going to how they're going to pursue the transfer portal at positions of need because I I guess with the transfer portal it's it's like we have an immediate need for instance at offensive line yeah no I'd expect to see offensive line edge maybe corner if you lose Nehemiah Pritchett and slash or Jalen Simpson Uh, probably linebacker with Owen Papo probably leaving those are the spots that have been identified to me but I mean, it all depends on what happens this fall with kids leaving and transferring and stuff like that. So those are kind of some of the early areas that I would look at in the transfer portal for Auburn. Oh, by the way, I'm glad, I'm glad we mentioned transfer portal here in, in, in corner. Uh, Malik Feaster, t- tell me what's going on there. He, he uh, had a visit to Auburn over the weekend, and uh, Jacksonville State grad transfer. Um, Auburn gave an offer. What's, what's going on there? Yeah, he committed to Florida State uh, earlier today, actually. So okay, so yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not paying great attention then. Obviously, sorry. All right, Painter, you can cut that out. Uh, now nah, you can leave it in. You can show you. I, I'm telling you, folks, like when I say that I am not a recruiting expert, that was just like you you have a snippet right there to give you proof. Well, and I that's mean, why you should listen and read and do all that with, with Christian. You had good reason to believe that, though. Uh, after his visit, it looked like Auburn was kind of the school to beat. But then Florida State. It would have been interesting for them to take another corner, though, right? Like this, this late in the game. They thought he was kind of more of a nickel. Um, okay. And they All just, right, that does make sense yeah. then. He was kind of a zero risk move from people that I talked to because he only had one year. They're like, whatever, we have scholarships, bring him in, get him out in December, maybe okay yeah, with could, it. But because if they're committed to playing Nehemiah Pritchett on the outside, which I think they should this season, you got Donovan Kaufman at nickel, and then it's going to be like it'll probably have to be somebody new it, or like it'll you probably know. be like Austin Osbury, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be really interesting. So, okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense then. Um, all right, uh, football related. You know, we'll we'll do more. Painter and I will talk more about fall camp later in the week before we get into into like the actual practices. Uh, but of course, I'm going to have you on, and we're going to ask you about Landon King, right? <laughs> like this is 100% going to be the thing. Um, one of my one of my favorite moments of the off season so far was that clip of you you and Nathan and Mark Murphy the god and Jason Caldwell uh doing your you're doing your podcast doing a live recording of it and uh Mark Murphy in his infinite wisdom we love Mark <laughs> uh is hyping up Landon King and you and Nathan are like going nuts about it uh but like yeah i mean you obviously we obviously all have an affinity for Landon King but like 
are you as look? Uh, well, I know the answer to this question, but it's rhetorical. Are you as excited about seeing what what that looks like this year, and especially during fall camp for him? Because I, I really, really think they're gonna they're gonna lean on this dude to some degree this year. Oh, absolutely! I could not be more excited for it. Um, I've gotten word he's already changed his number off of that awful forty. Oh, yes. Yes, that's the biggest news for him. Because that was honestly, that's the thing that was kind of holding me back with him. It was like forty. It's gonna be hard to win the Heisman wearing number forty. Just gonna be honest. I think he's in the teens now, so I can be happy. There with we that. go. Yeah, big guy wearing a teen. Yep, 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 yep. He's destined for greatness. <laughs> no, so I and I think he's gonna be playing kind of in the slot, but they can move him outside to like an X or a Z as well. Um, so, look, the sky is the limit for this guy, and I say that biased, but also honestly as well. <laughs> Um, I mean, he, he, I've since Auburn signed him, I've called him like a discount land or uh, Kyle Pitts. I, honestly, like he has that size. He has that frame. He has the speed. I think extremely highly of him. Um, I think Auburn will find a lot of different ways to get him involved in the offense as they should. And he'll be a big weapon for them. D- different offense, different coaching staff, uh, all that. But this guy's very relevant here recently. He reminds me a lot coming into this season, like what Auburn viewed with Sal Canelo, where it's just like, okay, maybe if he's not, maybe if he's not a dude that is going to get ten targets a game, he's bigger than everybody else. He can jump. He's he's really good at uh, really good at making the impressive catch. They're like, even if he's not one of Auburn's top four receivers this season, like you can use that guy. We're like, I mean, how many times did Painter? How many times did Sal come in and we're like, all right, he's out there. He's going to make something happen here. Right, and they obviously did that with Seth, and then Duke for a little bit older back. You know, you go with Duke Williams, but like the fact that he's one of like the only two tall people in that wide receiver room, that's got to mean something, at least in terms of like what they do in the red zone. No, absolutely. I mean, think about the last couple of times we've seen him in the spring game, touchdown he had there, and in the Iron Bowl, the touchdown he had uh, in that first overtime. He's a red zone threat, and yeah. I mean, I I think that'll be a big part of Auburn's red zone offense. So, uh, so we we've got fall camp coming up here shortly, and um, you know, we obviously everyone's on the landing train. Uh, of the guys that since you cover recruiting, of the guys that weren't here in the spring, so the non early enrollees, the guys that we're going to be seeing for the very first time in fall camp. Who are guys that you're going to be looking at the closest or who, who maybe would be some guys who are like, hey, don't be surprised if in the month of September you're going to hear, hear this dude's name a little bit. Auburn didn't use a ton of true freshmen last season, but I think that number could grow. Like, who, who, who catches your eye out of that, 20, that, that 2022 crew that's, that's coming in now? Yeah, so we talked about him a little bit before, Austin Osbury. Um, I think he was Auburn's highest rated signee, or he was very close to it. One of the more talented players. Um, he'll be coming in at nickel, corner, safety. He can play whatever, and he's really talented. On the offensive side, i definitely look at Camden Brown. Um, he's a guy who's picked up a lot of hype just from Auburn fans, um, and for good reason. He's got a massive frame, 6'3". He's built very well. He can go out there and run still with good speed, jump as well. So... You talk about an Auburn offense in the red zone as well, just on the Landon King thing. Um, he's a red zone threat, um, and he already played at the highest level, really, in Florida. He played at St. Thomas Aquinas and won a state title there. So I think Camden Brown is really, really good and can make an impact right away. I've heard really good things um, from him coming in in the summer. So those are a couple of guys. And I'm also intrigued just to see what Robert Woodyard is like. He's coming off an injury, yeah. um, but... He's a guy who could slot in and potentially play kind of that Mike linebacker role a little bit. They need um, more. They need more inside guys. Yeah, exactly. And then this one's kind of cheating, but I want to see what Jeffrey Emba does now that he is healthy and going through mm. practice. Because um, someone That's I was good. I was talking to a source about it earlier this week, and they said, "Look, this dude played with a hurt shoulder all of last year, and he was still a monster. Now he's going to mm-hmm. be fully healthy. Let's see what he does." So I'm just kind of curious what he looks like. Uh, not a 2022 kid, but a guy who's a redshirt freshman. Are you, uh, you know, I, I put my claim down on the mailbag. Um, and, you know, we obviously are all on the on the Landon King hype train. Will you join me on Tavares Dawson, on the Tavares Dawson Jr. hype train? Because every time I watch that dude in practice, I'm like, that guy's going to be really, really good at some point. Yeah, no, I think he's really good. Um, and even I think you would have seen him make more of an impact last year had he not gotten COVID right before the season started and kind of 
derailed things. From my understanding, he got COVID, had to isolate. Then it's pretty close to when he came back. He got exposed to it, had to isolate again. It just slowed things down, kind of derailed his freshman season. He was talked about a ton in fall camp last yeah. year. No, he's really, really good. Um, and it might have been Har- – I think it was Harson, yeah, in the beat meeting. And he was saying, like, you know, last year he was kind of having fun, goofing around a little bit. He's serious now. I think Tavares Dawson is really good. And he, he should have had a touchdown in the Birmingham Bowl. TJ oh, Finley just wide open. Yeah, TJ Finley just open. flat out missed him. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we will talk some basketball here um, as Auburn gets here. By the time we do our next podcast, Auburn will have played their first game of their overseas tour in Israel against uh, the U-20s. We'll talk, Christian, if you want to hang on and, and talk a little basketball with us. I know you're in football mode at the moment, but you, you want to hang out a little bit? Yeah, I should. Should be good. Okay. Yeah, we're recording right. this on Sunday, waiting for a specific announcement to come, but yeah, I, think, I think we yeah, should be good. Yeah, we can kill a little time. Um, but, yeah, we, we Painter and I wanted to talk basketball for sure. But before we do that, let's take care of a little business. First off, um, this is a good week to subscribe to The Observer uh, coming up. And, in fact, uh, there might be might be doing a little something around uh, the start of fall camp. Stay tuned on that. But AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year to subscribe. If you're listening to this for free, you can listen to a bonus podcast once a week as well. You get twice as much of the podcast. You get all the newsletters. We email everything to you. You can also check out our app, Substack app, um, which I know a few of you use uh, and really, really enjoy it. It's a very clean interface for that. But, I mean, we're going to be covering – I'm going to be doing observations from all the Israel uh, basketball games. Uh, we'll have fall camp. We've got – you know, there will be some recruiting stuff. We'll, there'll be a lot of stuff going on at the Observer. Um, so you want to check that out. AuburnObserver.com, sign up there if you haven't already. And if you are already signed up, thank you for being a part of it, of the Inner Circle. You can also help us out uh, and help the show out by doing something that costs absolutely no money. Painter, tell them about it. 20 seconds. We're rating. We're reviewing. We're subscribing. All right? Give me 20 seconds. You've given us an hour. I'm, I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to ask for 20 more seconds to rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, just go to your podcast app of choice. If you're on if you're on Spotify, you can give us five stars there. If you're on Apple, we, we prefer Apple just because they ran the whole industry. Um Apple Podcast, search Auburn Observer, give us five stars, write a review, say something nice about Painter. We haven't had a review in a, in a, in a little while, a, a, a new written review. Um, I like to think people are refreshing. They're getting yeah, ready just like they're me. They're getting reloaded. Yep. This is the time of the year where all the positive spin zone is happening. Seth Galena saying Zach Calzada is excellent. You're yep. taking that. You're running with it. Yep. Might as well. This is the time where you can be optimistic before real life actually shows you how optimistic you could actually be. So, yeah, that's that, that's the time of year for it. But yeah, uh, give us a written review, and if you give us a written review, uh, we will uh, we'll read it on the air because we are very vain people. Uh, also, and I'm glad Christian's on for this. Um, don't usually have our guest chime in on Adri, but I know, I know he's got. I know for a fact he can help us out here. Because it's time to talk to you about our friends at Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the place to get vintage collegiate apparel uh, covering. I mean, gosh, they've got so many teams at this point. Um, they've got, you know, tons of Auburn stuff, great designs for Auburn basketball, Auburn football, uh, Auburn baseball. You got t shirts, hoodies, you know, crew neck, sweatshirts, all that fun stuff. Um, you know, I, Christian's wearing a Homefield shirt right now. Uh, yep. I, I, can, I can tell. Uh, and, uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff at a home field. You get 15% off with the promo code observer. If it's your first time ordering at home field, so get your Auburn stuff up. They'll be rolling out some more stuff here in the near future. Um, and, uh, man, a big new Saturday this past weekend. I bought some, I know Christian did as well. Folks, Youngstown state, that collection was straight heat. That was you, you just go get that. That was that might be the best overall collection I've seen yeah. just in terms of everything was so good. Everything was great about it. I know Christian got some. We might end up I getting I think the we same both shirt. got the same. Yeah, we got the yeah. surfs up and then the golf one. There's a surfing penguin and a golfing penguin. If you like the penguin designs, they're so good. Petitioning to get rid of Shark Week for Penguin Week. Penguin Week. We're doing Penguin Week thanks to our friends at Home Field Apparel. But, yeah, I mean – they're all great, obviously. And if you have a school that you love that's not Auburn, there's a good chance that there's going to be some really good designs on there. Christian, the Internet's foremost expert and fan of the Montana State Bobcats. Their Montana State collection a few months ago was incredible. 
Like, you know, there's always good stuff. I petitioned hard for a Troy uh, stuff. I have a Troy State. I finally have a home field Troy State shirt that I Troy love so State, very much. That rips. Yeah. That's so the, sick. With the old silver helmet and the TSU. Yeah, baby. We're talking about we're winning the Sun Belt every year. And there was an Elba. OCU Menorah. There was an there was an Elba shout out speaking of recruiting Bro. recently. Okay. So we love uh, our guy. <laughs> we love let's our go king. Ba- let's go back to recruiting a little bit. Okay. Uh, I was gonna mention this to Christian. Christian, you know, I, I went to high school at Op. Op's biggest rival is Andalusia. Auburn's recruiting a kid from Andalusia. Yeah. And then and then there's a kid at Elba that's like a top 2025. 20, what in the heck's happening in South Alabama? You mentioned Kendrick Falk, Keldrick Falk earlier. This used to be a part of a state where you could get no SEC it's talent. It's in the what water, baby. What is going baby. on? It's in the and water. I just need to leave? It's the local Captain D's. <laughs> the local Captain D's. Well, tell me about the Andalusia kid, because I'm like, you know, I, I'm predisposed to be against him, but, like, he's good. <laughs> like, that, yeah. I've, I've heard about him for a while now. He's almost a top 100 player. Uh, I think he's the number four running back in the rankings. Oh, he coming and counting. He must coming be crushing <laughs> I'm telling you, I know who he's playing against every week. This kid's going to average 300 yards a game this year. <laughs> Dude, and he is so good, and – you talked about it before. Every year, Cadillac picks a guy, and it's just like, okay, time to go to work. And this year, he beat out Clemson. He beat out Tennessee um, for Cobb. He's going to have to beat out a lot of teams for uh, Jamari and Burnett, but I-, I think he can. I mean, Burnett was in for Big Cat, spoke really highly of Auburn. He's been to Auburn plenty of times beforehand as well. So, And he's going to be committing here soon, too, as well. He said he wants to do it probably the middle of his season or end of the season. So you'll see that recruitment kind of close in the next couple of months here. Cadillac Williams and Auburn have put themselves in a good spot. Ferg, where's Cadillac going to eat if he's not eating at the prospect's house? In Andalusia? Any of those towns. You can name all of them. I don't care where they're going. If he's in Andalusia, I'm going to tell him to either – he can go to David's uh, Catfish House or he can go to Larry's Barbecue. If either of those are still up. If either (laughs) of those are still up. If he goes to Op, I don't know where he's eating. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, they closed McDonald's, you said, which is, like, hard to do. Like, that place is – I will say, Andalusia, Alabama, uh, I'll give them credit for this. They have my favorite Dairy Queen in the world. It's a weird it's a weird quirk about them, but they have an old-school, like, walk-up Dairy Queen, like the little hut, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was right next to an old firehouse, that, like like an actual fire station, that they gutted and then, like, put tables in there. So it's a really cool, it's a really cool environment. Um, but, yeah, I, I would tell them to go to one of those three places. Anyway, home field apparel, <laughs> rep the wiregrass. This is the wiregrass revolution. We are <laughs> the South, South Alabama is taking the world by storm. Folks, it's not just for passing through on your way to the beach. Nope, nope. We are we are we are rallying. We are a strong we are a strong uh, people. Promo codes observable. You get fifteen percent off uh, your first order with home field, uh, and also sign up for your home field rewards. I'll tell you, they pay they pay off really really well uh, because. Uh, I know I've gotten a ton of home field stuff, and I get a lot of cash from it. Yeah, and so I even bought a shirt. I got a shirt for free yesterday, just because Ooh. of uh, of uh, as much as I've I've uh, spent at home field. So, homefieldapparel.com. Get the credit card. Home field credit card. Yeah, <laughs> get the special <laughs> home field credit card. All right. Um, so, as I said, Auburn is Auburn basketball is in Israel right now. They just got uh, there on Sunday. Bruce Pearl's holding. A very large piece of bread on Twitter. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff going on uh, there. But um, this is a uh, this is a really big big event for Auburn fans. You know, you don't usually get a whole lot of basketball stuff in August. It's usually just fall camp territory. I know some of you out there not super high on football season this year, but you're really really high on this basketball team. So you're going to be able to lean into that a ton. Uh, they get underway on Tuesday. They play Tuesday, then they play next Sunday and next Monday. Tuesday they play uh, the Israeli U20s uh, coming up. Christian, since you're the guest, I'm going to lob it to you first. We get to watch these games, and we get to cover these games remotely, which is really sick to think about at, at this time of year. What are you looking forward to the most trying to see this Auburn basketball team as they, as they go on these next three games? Yeah, I'm just curious to watch some of the new guys and see kind of how Bruce works them in a little bit. Janai Broom, I want to see – some of the plays or just different things that Bruce kind of has lined up to get the ball to him in the paint. I mean, this is the first center that can really control the paint and actually has post moves that I can think of. 
in Bruce's system, Austin Wiley. It's like, it's like, uh, Wiley. I think Wiley's the last one that at least guys that they tried to feed the ball to. Yeah, and I don't. I, I like Austin Wiley. I wouldn't give him nearly the credit that Janai Broom gets. Walker did not have those post moves developed no. yet. So I'm curious kind of how they work him, and I just kind of want, want to watch some of the new guys as well. Chance Westry is lit up the summer from everything that kind of we've heard, um, and I just got to see Yoan Treor practice for the first time a couple days ago. Yeah. And he looked really good. Now, this is a guy I think fans should probably temper their expectations just a little bit to start because he is pretty raw. He really hasn't been playing basketball for that long. But he's a guy by the end of the season, you know, going into March, he's probably going to be mm. playing really, really well. So, I, I, I've compared him to kind of like a little bit more highly touted JT Thor, where it's like he is nowhere near a, a finished product. Like mm-hmm. the last five star you got, Auburn fans, in Jabari Smith was about as close to a finished product as you're ever going to get yeah. from a five star kid coming out of high school. This one's just like athleticism and just kind of the foundation of his skill set. You're like, oh my goodness, he's like, he, he, he seems to be like that classic European player that you take in the NBA draft. You're like, yeah, by the time he hits that second contract, he might be just tearing people in half. Uh, but, you know, he's a whole lot of fun. And as Bruce keeps saying, like, when he jumps, he floats, man. Like, there's, like, for a guy his size, he moves and jumps and does all that stuff really, really well. So, I'm especially this first game they play against the U-20s when it's guys near their age and they're not playing fully grown men, <laughs> uh, pro, you know, fully grown pro players yet. I, I'm not going to be surprised if Johan, like, catches a couple people at some point. Like, because it's, it's – yeah, he's got he's got that kind of burst to him, and it just reminds me a lot of JT. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. I honestly hadn't really thought about that, but that's kind of that's a that's a fair comparison for him. He has a kind of weird shooting stroke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, he was I mean, the practice we were at the other day, he was shooting really well. really well. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. Chan, you mentioned Chance Westry. Westry's such an intriguing player to me because it's like, right here's this guy who on paper and you watch him a lot on film it's like he's he's this like prototypical like six six like athletic slasher you want to see him get downhill and 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 create a lot of stuff i think he's going to fall right in line with what auburn's had in the past from that position where you look at like malik dunbar and you look at uh you know guys like obviously alan flanagan um but he's got the added bonus that like if they want him to play point guard he can do that and i know alan got forced into point guard role uh you know a couple years ago but this is a wing who can actually run the offense. And it's early. He doesn't have everything installed and all that. But, like, pure playmaker, he's super impressive. I know our buddy Jay, uh, Jay Phillips, uh, uh, who contributes for On3, uh, said on Twitter recently, he was like, I think he end up, might end up being kind of the – he might steal the show out in Israel. Um, we've got to watch Chance a little bit more just because he wasn't – you know, he, he got here before Yon did uh, – I like I like that I like his game a lot. He's so intriguing because I think like Janai and like uh, and like Yoan to an extent, it's like Bruce hadn't had a guy like that uh, kind of coming in. No, I mean you don't see a lot of those guys just in general. A guy that truly can play the one through the three and do all three really really well. And I mean he came in with nearly the complete package in terms of being already a strong defender, a good slasher. You kind of wanted to see him improve as a shooter, and I feel like over the course of the summer, I have seen that at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and between that and Broom, like how much, it, you know, it was. We talked to Janai Broom. We talked to a few of those guys on Friday before practice, and it was like, you know, Broom was saying like, yeah, you know, uh, there's gonna be some of that, but like he knows that he's gonna be doing a lot of pick and roll. He knows he's gonna have to play from the perimeter some. He seems really excited though, for a guy like him. They want to kind of do with what you could. You'd see it time to time from, from um, from Walker. You've definitely seen it in the past for guys like Anthony McLemore and stuff. It's like. They kick it out to your five, and it's like pump fake and drive, and can he actually do it? I mean, he was he's a pretty good mid-range guy. It's just that all those guys, I think, the name of this team, and I'm interested to hear what you think about this, Christian. It's like this team's not going to be as good as last year's team talent-wise. I, I think they could end up being just as successful, like, long-term, like if everything clicks. Like, they're good. They're going to be a really good basketball team. I think this the, the thing that this team has an edge over – than last year's team is like as good as Walker Kessler and as good as Jabari Smith were, you know those dudes were that was the five and that was the four and that's what you were gonna get and it was gonna be pretty locked in. They can blend so many positions and so many roles with all these guys and then you throw in Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams. The versatility is gonna be crazy and from what Bruce has said, I think in Israel he's just gonna be like, Man, we're just gonna roll the ball out there and let's see what these dudes can do at any given spot. 
Yeah, you might as well. I mean, you've got no reason to actually focus in on a starting lineup in right. the beginning of August in Israel. You have no reason to do that. The lineup I really want to see is I want to see Jalen Williams and Yoan playing together. Um, yes. I'll be curious to see kind of how that works out. I mean, it should work out really well in my opinion. So that's kind of an intriguing lineup. And I feel like I was talking about this with Nathan Kane the other day. This year's team is almost at an advantage in the sense where you don't have necessarily a true number one, but that's a good thing because you feel really confident about just yeah. about everybody being able to contribute on this team. Because it felt like last year, you know, if Jabari has an off night, maybe the other guys were too reliant or they just weren't quite prepared for that moment. I think everyone's going to be pretty prepared for the moment this year, and it's going to be Wendell has a good game on Saturday. KD has a good game on Tuesday. And we saw that last year. You know, they had their breakout performances. But I think it's just truly going to be game to game. You're not going to see the same guy be the number one guy every single night. And to piggyback off that, like, Johan might be the most talented, question mark, in terms of NBA potential. But it was pretty clear last year your best two players were Walker and, obviously, Jabari, two for all intents and purposes, for Walker, I would say more or less a freshman and that it was his full season. Obviously, it was Jabari's freshman season. Well, now you're most talented maybe, Johan, but Allen's in the mix. Wendell's in the mix. Janai uh, will be a curious case for just how far he can go. Like I, I, Following your logic, Christian, and that it's not as clear-cut, and having some older guys who may also be your most talented guys could benefit them. I, I think my petition for lineup is give me all the tall dudes who can play multiple positions. And so here's my pitch. Chance Westry at the point. Give me Alan Flanning at the two. Give me Chris Moore playing the three. Give me – and then your front court. Give me give me Jalen and Yoan. And just have five guys, all six, six or taller, that can move <laughs> and do some of everything and just be like, all right, we're going to overwhelm you with, like, just depth like and, and, and versatility be a whole lot of fun we're also i mean just super interested in the backcourt coming in here like bruce talked about it the other day these 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 specifically the two international teams they're playing uh in the u20s and the seniors um i mean it's a european team they're going to shoot a ton of threes and they're going to be pretty good at shooting like that's going to be their that's going to be their bread and butter shorter shot clock more shooting you know that's going to tempt Wendell Green and Katie Johnson and, and Zepp Jasper to fire it a good bit. And last season, when they were cold, it was really obvious. And I think the one thing, like, every Auburn fan was talking about this offseason, was like, well, can they, can, they, can they actually shoot threes this year? Can somebody other than Jabari hit threes for them this season? It's like, I think they're going to get an opportunity to show how much they've, they've progressed in these last few months in terms of shooting the ball. Like, I think, I think the games themselves are going to lend themselves to, to shooting and – uh, Christian, like I seen, I think I've seen in a couple other guys, and it's practice. You know, it's it's all obviously different than a real game, but like you can start to see some progress making for some guys from beyond the arc. And I think the new guys that they brought in, at least at least some of them, uh, can give them a little bit more firepower from deep. And I think to that extent too, like you talk about a guy like Katie Johnson last year who was shooting decent, I would say, and then that Georgia injury, I think it was Georgia game, that injury yeah, happened, seeing that he definitely, wrist. yeah, he yeah. definitely tanks from that point on a little bit, so if he's a little bit healthier, you feel a little bit more confident there. Alan Flanagan, I'm still, I was on it all last year, I'm still on board that Alan Flanagan is good, despite he's people good. disagreeing with that. Um, he's been dealt a really tough deck of cards so far in his college career, but this is the first year he can kind of really get back to what he should be, I think. Um, so I'm excited to see kind of what he does as well. I think he's a really different uh, – playing point guard was tough for him, but it gave him a lot of valuable experience that I think he yeah, can use made this it better. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, from the moment Auburn lost it against Miami in the NCAA tournament, one of the first big quotes of the offseason was Bruce talking about Jalen Williams and building the thing around him. And I know they get Traor, and I know they get Janai Broom, and I know they they've got a lot of faith in the in Dylan Carwell, you know, being a guy that can contribute a little bit more for him this season. I know all that, but Jalen, I think when you watch him out there, since he's so uh, Sonny Smith said this a while back, and I remember it stuck with me. He's like, he's so smooth, and he's so casual with the way he plays that it looks like he's not trying. But then you look up, he's like, dude, he's got fourteen and then like eight boards already. He's playing good defense. I think there's going to be a lot of that from him. And so when you're talking about maybe one guy steps up, 
one guy you know shows out when you don't have necessarily the go-to guys you still need dudes that I think are going to be like rock solid reliable really consistent Jalen Williams with with more playing time is like again might not be all SEC might not be a dude that wins a ton of awards and gets a lot of attention but like you'll just look up and be like oh wow he had really good plus minus and he you know, did his job and quietly is like five or six from the field like I think you're gonna see a lot of that from him he's so underrated not just by SEC people but by Auburn people as well I mean he gets so much unnecessary hate I think you saw it start to go away maybe a little bit last year but yeah. when he was starting his sophomore year there was so much hate for him and I'll never understand because he wasn't because he wasn't yeah I think there was some of that is he wasn't a five-star he wasn't one of these big big name dudes and um you know I think that I think that it I just before we go, there's one thing that just clicked into my head while we were talking about basketball. It goes back to something we talked about with football. Uh, I mean, with with yeah, with football earlier. And I want, Christian, I want to get your opinion on it. We can kind of wrap up here. You you mentioned um, getting the transfer portal uh, for Auburn football and how that's going to be big for them. Harson has said that, and I I don't know if he like explicitly said it or like it just I was reading between the lines. But somebody said at SEC Media Days kind of struck me where it was like. They go after their guys and those really talented players on the top of their board and stick to their guns, thinking that, like, well, maybe we can flip them later on. Or it sounded like to me, it's like, well, maybe we can get them later when they go into the portal. And that might that, that's a strategy that's, like, very risky, I would think, or not something you want to bank on too, too hard. But I want to say, though, like, didn't Auburn just do that with Walker Kessler in basketball? Like, there's a precedent here. And basketball recruiting and football recruiting is two totally different animals. But like, do you think that? Do you think the way Auburn's recruiting some of these big name dudes, even if they don't get them, you think in the transfer portal era, do you think they're making these kind of headway, you know, headways where it's like, hey, if it doesn't work out to you at your last school, hey, remember who liked you? <laughs> remember who liked you back then? We we could use you right now. Like, do you think that's that's part of the calculus for them? Oh, 100% it is. These guys never stop recruiting these guys, no matter what. Once they sign the dotted line, they say congrats. Um, the, you don't ever want to burn that relationship with the recruit because you might revisit them. You never know who their sibling is down the line. You never know their connections in a certain area, stuff like that. So this staff has done a the football staff. And I mean, you talked about it with basketball with Walker Kessler. You never want to burn those relationships. And that's that's a big aspect of it. And that it always surprises me, and it doesn't happen at Auburn, but it happens at other schools. It's it surprises me all the time whenever uh, a football coach, a, a team misses on a kid, and they flip on signing day or something like that, and then you hit, you just hear them get like real pissy after it. It's like I, I, you don't want to do that, right? Because like especially nowadays, uh, it, it, there seems to like I don't know, man. Some people are really eager to burn bridges with like eighteen, like seventeen and eighteen year old really good <laughs> players. Yeah. And I don't think you can afford to do that anymore. Well, I didn't think you could afford to do it then, but not, t- yeah, taking out the portal aspect of it, it's just like, well, you guys have you talked have on, that rep? <laughs> on this podcast, right? On this podcast, we talked about committable offers. Like there are guys at Auburn is like, we're not going to take you on now, but if it's right, we'll take you on. And so to not give the kid the same benefit of doubt to be like, oh yeah, we came down to the wire, and now we're going to badmouth them as a strange strategy. I think you can only do that if you're really, really good. You're going to take sure. whoever you want. <laughs> and that's like, mm, I think only like two programs can do that yeah. in college football. Uh, you're not going to get that a ton. Well, this has been a whole lot of fun. Christian, thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, giving us a ton of insight on recruiting. Again, as we say all the time, we're not recruiting experts. Turn the recruiting experts. Turn to people like Christian um, because they, they are coming. I, I think Auburn's beat the folks who cover recruiting for Auburn or you know Auburn fans get spoiled man for as big as this program is and the recruiting they do this will be as in-depth a recruiting coverage as you're going to find anywhere Christian if people want to read you listen to you all that good stuff uh where all can they find you yeah so it's over at uh auburnundercover.com I think auburn247.com also gets you there and then along with on twitter at cclemente247 so all the stuff is over there we had a ton of big cat coverage we still will um, over the next couple of days, you know, takeaways and stuff like that. And then we go into a dead period here in August for a month. Um, we'll have a ton of football coverage. We'll still have some recruiting coverage. And then, you know, the season starts up and recruiting gets going again as well. So we're getting ready. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and, and I'll always get basketball stuff over at Auburn Undercover as well. And that'll be obviously 
in the forefront here these next few days. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast for free, you can subscribe to The Observer. Like I said, we're going to have some more stuff throughout the week. Uh, if you are a subscriber, uh, you will have gotten a basketball newsletter this morning to go along with your podcast. So you can check that out. We'll have more of that. We'll have observations from the from the Israel tour, uh, and we will have stuff leading into and during the first uh, day of practice, which is Friday. Um, so we've got a ton of stuff planned. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell them, tell their enemies, all that good stuff. Uh, that's going to do it from us. Painter, final thoughts. Which college football rivalry has been played the most times? A, Army-Navy. B, Lafette-Lehigh. C, Notre Dame-Southern Cal. Or D, Ohio State-Michigan. So it's Lafayette and Lehigh, not only because that's the one that's that's the, the the odd one out, but I do remember that. And two, I love how Alabama you are that you pronounce Lafayette as Chambers County's own Lafette. Shout out Booby Whitlow. I've been moving calm, don't start no trouble with me. Trying to keep it peaceful is a struggle for me. Don't pull up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me. You know how I like it when you loving on me. I don't want to die for them to miss me. That they wishing on me Hope I got some brothers that outlive me They gon' tell the story Was different with me God's plan God's plan I hold back sometimes I won't yeah. I feel good sometimes I don't hey, no. I finesse down Western Road hey, next. Might go down to G-O-D yeah, wait. I go hard on Southside G yeah, wait. I make sure that Northside E Still, bad things. It's a lot of bad things that they wish and they wish and they wish and they wish and they wish on me.